0: So the intention of these evenings, the the next uh, four Sunday evenings, is really to talk about the intention of relationships in our lives, the quality, what are the factors that make them extraordinary? What are the factors that inhibit connection and intimacy? We're going to use the word intimacy a lot, and it means um, really deep connection, deep heartfelt connection in the context that we're using it. Um, intimacy with yourself, intimacy with your, the people you live with, your children, your housemates, your siblings, your Mm. partners, you know, all of us here have chosen the non-monastic path in life at this point, and presumably everyone on this call is probably not on the monastic path.
1: I would think that's accurate. (laughs)
0: Unless you're in a monastery and you've snuck off to Mm. watch this, I will say there's plenty in this for you as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, And
0: there's, if you're not on the monastic pathway, you have agreed to the path of relationship sadhana. It's really that straightforward. You're you're being with the questions of who who am I beyond? What am I beyond this earthly body? And... and what am I in my, in, in my relations with myself and with others. And it's a really a profound chosen path. The relationship sadhana is where it's at. (laughs) Truly.
1: Yeah. And I mean, sadhana being daily practice, daily devotional practice, whatever that is for you, your relationship is certainly your relationships are all a part of that. Um, and it's really miraculous what happens when we are in that, like right or aligned, whatever word works for you, relationship with the people in our lives. It it is a complete game changer in the, in the other parts, um, of our, of our doership out in the world. So, uh, what, um, what a valuable topic to spend a month in uh, swirling around in.
0: It's funny too, because, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of um, emails in your inbox, things you sign up for other teachers that you like learning with and from, and literally everything that's been coming in my inbox in for June offerings is about relationships. So they're, they're um, you know, you have more knowledge than I do around astrology and, Mm. And I wonder, right? (laughs) this is a time of Ella of, of, it's like shit or get off the pot, pardon my French everyone. Um, And your relationships are really here for you to serve and for them to serve your own deepening in your wisdom and your own compassion. I don't mean they're here to serve you like, serve you from an entitled perspective. um i'll never forget the feeling the piercing feeling when byron katie said at the school that i attended she said make no mistake about it if you can get this you'll get the key to this incarnation mm. and she said that if you can get that everyone is here in your dream in your world they're already. They're enlightened. Consider everybody in your life enlightened except you. (laughs) That they're all here the way they appear. The way they play out with you is all for you to wake up. You know, and that may resonate with you, friends, or not and there will be something if that's not it there will be something that you'll come across in your journey that will so jolt, that will so jolt you into a deep reverence for who the apparent other is and a deep longing to work consciously with all the relationships in your life with the relationships as a means for your own awakening And, and that's the beauty of the paradox, right? Because it's for you and it needs to be about them and for them.
1: I love that. I love, uh, just really sitting with what that, you know, what thoughts and scenes rise up in my mind when I really am with, uh, everyone is here to wake me up. Everyone is here to, you know, bring to the surface uh, different things that I can look at or examine or, um, you know, even untangle uh, in a way. It's It changes, it just shifts how we respond when there is that, you know, tension or rub in, um, in relationship with others in our world. So it, it just... It, it absolutely turns it from that, like, why, why are you acting like this? Or why are you doing this to me to a, hmm, what am I here to shift and learn in this moment? And that's such a more, it's, it's a more empowering hat to wear. So I love that.
0: Yeah. And it, and it takes, it, it, it really reinforces the, well, for lack of a better words, the perfection of The plot and the cast of characters that's playing out in your life because equally it is as equal of an awakening opportunity when someone treats you cruelly as it is an awakening opportunity when someone treats you with great reverence and and cherishes you because the person that Let's say is abusive or harsh or critical or puts you down. Let's say you've you've uh, I've I, I I've I've been in that place before. I've attracted that in my life, and it was either there for me to. I I was a fawner. That was one of my habits. Right there's the, in different scenarios we freeze, we flee, we fight or we fawn. I was like an Oscar award winning fawner. And what, what broke me of the habit of fawning was getting, I was onto my own game. I own my own avoidance game, right? I had to summon courage from a place within me that was, that at times felt imp, almost impossible. Um, so people in your life, however they show up, are here to grow us so we can evolve so we can see things about ourselves that maybe we didn't want to we can see patterns and habits and tendencies where we shirk from our own light and where we are, we have an agenda or motive versus authenticity so and yeah so I'll stop there because I was about to almost say the e word
1: oh you were. <laughs> Enneagram. I know you're going to jump right into it. And then, uh, well, again, then that will be it. Mm-hmm. Will be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a good moment to just like, you know, to say to all of you that are present tonight and, you know, whether you plan on being present for all the lives or, you know, it'll be hit or miss, we will cover so many different aspects of being in relationship through this, you know, mini course, uh, impromptu course. And, um, we're hitting on the topics that we believe, you know, if we could, if we could hand you a basket of, uh, you know, a gift basket of all the wonderful tools and, and gems and pearls that we, that we've collected, uh, that that's what this course is going to be like. Um, and, and coming from a really honest place of what we have experienced in relationship as, as we've continued on the path. So I will definitely touch on Enneagram. We will not be able to control ourselves. Um, It's not an Enneagram course. So if you're like, what, Uh, we'll give you resources (laughs) Um, and, and there will be a lot of different elements that come into play because a lot of those things have a real impact on how we relationship with other people. Um, Ayurveda being another one, love languages being another one. So you know, without uh, launching a 12 week course um, with room for all of those uh, tangent and really useful pieces of information, we'll just brush the surface. And if you're inspired or interested, we'll also pop in with some resources.
0: We've got resources.
1: Because we will not be able to help ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. We're behaving because it's the first one. We're like, stay on task. Stay on task. Yep. Don't yep. go too crazy. I'm not even going to look at my notes,
0: friends. <laughs> How do you like that? Okay. So let's start right at the top. Let's talk a little bit about the, just the intention of relationships. And, the, and we broke it down. We broke this uh, relationships into four categories for just for simplicity's sake, friends, And regardless of which role you identify with, there's going to be something in here for you. So we we intend to speak to relationships of the individual with oneself, the relationships of uh, you perhaps in the role of a parent or with your parents, okay? So you as the child of parents, whether they're in the seen or the unseen world, or your role as a parent, um, partnerships, intimacy and partnerships, as well as secret friendships. So those were the four general categories of relationship that we we believe most everything that we'll cover in these, in these conversations is applicable across the board. So if we're talking about partnerships, you can change it in your mind, in your listening to friendship. Okay, Or to your relationship with yourself. Because intimacy is intimacy. Mm. Um, and so this evening, our intention is to talk about the intention of relationships. Um, and the three basic needs of the individual and in relationships. So... Mm-hmm. All right, Jeannie, where do you want to, where do you want to begin? I think
1: that, you know, what is, why do we do this relationship thing? You know, like, I don't know about you guys, but I've had that thought in my mind a million times in um, my lifetime on this planet. Like, wait a second, why did I decide to not go live in a cave on a mountain where I don't talk to other humans? Because that sounds easy. That sounds like an easier thing, right? Um, I mean, that's been my personal reflection. Something's just hard and complicated and, um, and very human and very vulnerable and very raw. And in that discomfort, I have gone to that place of like, why am I even doing this? What part of me woke up uh, in this incarnation and thought, oh yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have kids. <laughs> I'm gonna have a partner. I'm gonna spend time with family. I'm gonna collect some friends over, you know, every single decade, and be in that ebb and flow of when it's wonderful and when it's not so wonderful. Uh, what is that? Why? Why do we do this? I think starting there.
0: <laughs> okay, so. My my take and my belief, and I think that you can hear this, friends, and perhaps if the language doesn't resonate with you, you can find yourself in it. Um, It's my my perception, my belief, my experience, and my learning as a student from um, many great teachers that all relationships are karmic. First and foremost, now you don't even necessarily have to believe in multiple lifetimes to try that on. Think of it this way: this is how I would invite you to like just sample what what I mean by that. Can you find a relationship in your life where <laughs> you could say, "Oh, I knew that was going to be a ch- or I knew that was going to be a rough one," <laughs> and I probably should have walked away. Hmm. And yet I didn't. Didn't. Yep. And that you also may have had the thought along the way, oh, this is not, this is not healthy. This is, I should, I should end this. Hmm. And yet you still felt yourself as if there was some gravitational force, like a tractor beam, for Star Wars fans, all right? Like, a little Millennium Falcon's trying to get away from the Death Star, and Luke's like, I can't. I'm like stuck in the tractor beam. Yeah, you're stuck in the pole. Mm -hmm. And then there came a moment when the relationship completed. Either you both mutually agreed to to complete it, you agreed, Uh, the other person did, there was an ending. There was a completion point. And that is the end of the, of the karma of the relationship. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't messes to still clean up too. Right? There could still be some lingering effects from relationship. But my point is that, can you find where there were relationships where it was as if there was a literal planetary pull pulling you? Or all of a sudden, you find yourself making a baby with a partner that you're like, I'm not sure a month ago that it's it's healthy for us to be together anymore. And yet something, there's some weird clearing for a month and you make a baby. And okay, so can you find that? That's the simplest way that I I I would say you could sample the waters of what, what I mean by karma when I say that. You may have a different way of describing that.
1: Well, for me, it means like this is a person that uh, you are here to learn from. Mm -hmm. They're here to learn from you. It may be very even and reciprocal. It may be more one-sided or there is something for you, for the two of you to do together. Um, Like that helps me just ground it in more like you know applicable terms rather than like well what is karma because sometimes we think that that means like a we did something wrong <laughs> like westerners have such a skewed idea of what the word karma means so you know for me it's like there's an entanglement there is a um there's there's a dance that was started that gets to be completed and um and it can take shape in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, when it gets sort of confusing, you could even put on the, the idea that it's similar to like a role that you would play or a job you would have, that that itself is a relationship. You know, your profession is a relationship and you have something to learn from that. It has something to learn from you or the organization does. And then it's time for that to be done because the lesson is over or whatever you were here to bring forth together has been brought forth. You know, in the example of the Danielle I gave about, you know, a baby created, right? Oh, okay, task completed onward. Um, and and the karma may still be there in just a different uh a different, in a different arrangement. Because you're co-parenting, but you're not in relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I, that's what I think of that, you know, all of the relationships that we have agreed to, and that kind of alludes to, you know, just a, a philosophy I have or a belief system that I have, which is like, we kind of got a trailer of our life. You know what I mean? Like you go to the movies and there's previews. I do believe that I was shown some kind of a preview trailer and I was like, oh, okay that looks interesting. I think I'll do earth. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. If that character's there, I'm going to go to that movie, you know? So seeing what you saw, the little glimpses of these relationships and these interactions actually signing up for it and being like, yep, I'm going to do that. I I am. I'm going to, I'm going to be that person's granddaughter. I'm going to be that person's partner for this amount of time, this person's sister and best friend. Um, yeah,
0: And I, I like that description of it because it brings to my mind the image of puzzle pieces. And, and that's another way of sort of looking at the grounded description of, of karma. karma. Karma means you are here for the opportunity to play out your roles together. And it can go either way. <laughs> It can it can go in the direction of creating more of a garbage heap, or, mm. or you can work with your um, in in the in the language of uh, Eastern traditions your samskaras your rubs that come up your agitations your hooks, um, you're going to rub up against one another, and there's polishing that happens in your relationships and. We are like puzzle pieces that fit together because our agitations perfectly agitate one another, as well as our triumphs and the way we uplift one another, the way we see one another also perfectly fits. Mm -hmm. So for me, the karma of relationships is about, we have, we have an agreement to be here to polish one another's mirror and we either do or we don't, there's no promise. That you come out of a relationship with polished mirrors, or polished, exactly. You, you sometimes you come out way more battered, <laughs> and you know, <sighs> and, and 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 cracked up. And thank God for super glue and friends. So, <laughs> um, and I would
1: assert still that you have learned a tremendous amount of skill and awareness around, you know what are, what are you a hell yes to? And what are you a no to when it comes to being in relationship? You've learned, uh, a little to, to spot a little bit earlier on maybe what some of those pokes and prods are and how you can respond and react to them from a place of like your own awareness and understanding rather than, you know, handing or, or throwing the blame over to somebody else and their bad behavior. Um, you know, and, and I just saw, I don't, I think in the chat flow by, um, you know, Daniela and I are both in committed partnership at this stage in our lives. And, you know, for me, uh, being married and being in the commitment of marriage is about, uh, I know that we're going to come up against that rub. I know that we're going to hit those moments of like, frustration, um, irritation, uh, because all the causes and conditions of being human, someone's tired, someone's hungry. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a very, very busy weekend. Assumptions are made. Uh, and the partnership part for me, and I'm not saying that this is true for everyone, the partnership in a committed marriage that I'm in means I get to be with that with that same person through rub after rub after rub and uh, not that it's always you know that and tension but it's like it's easier, I think to to be like, oh this is getting hard you're you're irritating me like I'm just kind of over this and you know I, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, Because being in relationship for a long time, it takes away all of the masks that (laughs) we wear, all the archetypes that we bring on that first date dinner where, um, you know, Matt and I were talking about this the other day while I was kind of outing myself. Like I used to wear heels all the time, heels, pantyhose, I would hot roll my hair. And he's like, yeah, and then we got married. And, and stop doing all of those things you know like you bring that like mm, self in those new parts of relationship and um and you probably won't reach as many of those rubbing spots as many of those oh you left the toothpaste top off for the 65th time in this last month um in in the newness of relationship, so it's I know that this was a question that someone had, of course, you know, I believe that, you know, long-term committed relationships are possible and real <laughs> to answer your question. And you'll get a lot of that perspective uh, in this course, because that's what Danielle and I are living. That said, we have also been in other relationships in our lives <laughs> prior to being with the humans that we are with now. So.
0: And um well, this is a, a perfect segue into just intention, because that, that's sort of the, the topic of, of this first of four evenings, and that really is the intention. And what's possible in, in your relationships, what's possible in your relationship with your truthfulness with yourself, what's possible in your relationship with your, your children or your parents, what's possible in your relationship with a partner and your friendships, when your intention is declared, is conscious and declared. If you don't know what the intention is, you're sort of like in a little boat without a, I don't even know, I'm not a boater. Like, I don't know what you're missing, an oar, a rudder, both. Either. Everything, you're just like in a boat
1: with circus music. Okay that's what's happening. You're in a boat at the mercy of the current and the waves and obviously circus music and that clowns are also in the boat. <laughs> and it's You're probably one of them.
0: <laughs> exactly. So when I look over my life journey um My experience and my efficiency, and when I say efficiency with intimacy, I mean the ability to not waste scenes that arise that are both effortlessly connecting and (laughs) effortlessly rubbing (laughs) to work with them, to work with them. So one of the most important questions we really would invite you, and even to put on paper as an exercise for this week is to put words to what is your intention with yourself what is your intention in your in your relationship with your children um there are different words that you could interchange for intention if you're like well what do you mean by that you could Substitute the word, what do you deeply cherish and value? Um, what is your soul vow with yourself? What is your soul vow with your children? Your what, is your? what do you deeply value? What's a virtue? A virtue is another way to look at intention. Mm-hmm. Um, but to declare it, what is your intention in the different relationships that you exist in Because when you know what your intention is, you now have a way to align your actions with something versus being in the smaller mind of what should I do? What should I do now? What should I do now? What should I do now, right? There's just, it's it's a much more, I find it to be a much more reactive space versus a space of consciously creating. When you know your intention, when you know you're the virtue, the value, or the soul vow in each of these four categories of relationship, you now have something far bigger than your small self to align your actions with. It's one of the single most game changing game changers in relationships. Terrible sentence. I know. I loved it.
1: <laughs> amazing yeah um yes and absolutely sometimes you can have the realization that there that there isn't a, a deeper intention that there isn't a an anchor there isn't those like deep roots in the relationship that you're in and it is time to perhaps let them go and to move on. And only you know that it, that is the direct and correct course of action. Um, for intentions. So I can give a couple of examples because I love, you know, having that, uh, Oh, see, I was going to go to Ayurveda right there. Um, (laughs) I love having an anchor, having a, you know, deep, deep roots for something to come back to, you know, like, where can you go back to being super nourished in a relationship? So as a mother, uh, very early on, um, I knew that my intention as a mother was for my children to experience and for me to experience for, for it to be a reciprocal experience, of unconditional love and acceptance. And when things bubbled up, (laughs) like they do, right? 23 year old at this point, 21 year old and 18 year old. How is this an opportunity for me, not for them, for me to deepen into unconditional love and acceptance for whatever's unfolding in our parent-child relationship today? Um, So it could be a few words, unconditional love, acceptance, a few words. And usually I I would stick to something that's succinct so that your brain doesn't go like into, you know, analysis zone. In my marriage, (laughs) our intention is mutual victory. It is we both, when I win, he wins, when he wins, I win. That, that we are in this to truly arrive together, at, in whatever place that means, the end square in Candyland, you know uh, <laughs> that it is mutual victory, and um, and and that also means that if one of us is kind of swirling in the suffering, that the other person is very present for that as well. It has an impact, and to recognize that, um, and to approach it from this, how can we come back to both being in alignment with mutual victory. Um, so those are just examples and, and take, spend some time with it. Like, don't rush to jump to what, Oh, what is my intention? Oh, what does it mean? If I don't know right away, if we haven't sat and, and really thought about it or just allowed it to present itself to you, it doesn't even take thinking, uh, you know, don't make that mean something. <laughs> don't make it, Oh God, we're doomed. We don't have an intention yet.
0: It's one of the greatest spaces to be in the I don't know. It honestly is. It's a it's a really so so if if you are like if you're sort of mind stopped and you don't know, like I, I would really say allow the the greatness of that to just be you've got a blank canvas. And you know, a few of the places you may want to gently explore is are there themes. And lessons that keep repeating themselves in different relationships that you have right, in, in with your children um, are going to be different lessons, different patterns than in your partnerships. Um, so you can look at it from the angle of what am I here to learn and deepen in, as well as what is the way of being I wish I aspire to bring to the buffet, you know? What is the, the highest virtue and state that I also wish to be as an offering mm. to the intention of our union? And if the if that language doesn't resonate with you, you I, you can you you get the point, right. All right. And allow allow yourself like the full week to explore and reflect and have some conversations with with. Uh, your partner and just not to say like, honey, what's our intention? (laughs) You know, entering waters gently um, questions like what, where is it in our relationship where you feel most, when do you feel most valued or cherished? When do you feel most um, cared for or alive? Those are the kinds of gentle questions that allow someone else to respond. And to have, to hold a space for a, a conversation like this in partnership in particular, I will recommend that you really take the position of active listening and don't give your opinions or feedback, don't make it a dialogue. If you really wanna know what someone else values and cherishes, allow them to keep talking and sharing and let the words oh oh okay oh it was when we were at that place really that's uh, that's so interesting i hadn't even thought of that memory in a while tell me more about that tell me what else you loved about that memory oftentimes when you want to know where someone feels cherished and alive with you it's through memories it's through a specific scene where they just loved being with you mm-hmm. and Allow, allow space for them to share and share more about it and share more about it and suspend your opinion. Don't make it a back and forth dialogue. You'll learn so much about your friendships and your partners just through that one question of when do you feel most cherished and alive in our relationship?
1: Mm-hmm. It gives you so much good feedback on their values as well. Uh, when we talk about love languages, you'll see those show up. You'll see little evidences, breadcrumbs of, um, of that and, and their indication there. And, you know, I, again, I saw this float by quickly in the chat, revisit these conversations often uh, in relationship we are only and always and consistently evolving and changing I think uh, and and I I would say I hope for me <laughs> for the sake of everyone in my life. I, I would love that to be true that I'm learning and adapting and changing and growing consistently. so it would it would be natural that these things would shift. you know I I think about so many friends that I've had through the years that, their, their intention for a long time was the children. It was parenting. It was coming together to raise this family. And, and then that task was done and it kind of got like, ooh, well, who are, who are we now? Um, and rather than, you know, kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, because, well, we stopped doing that parenting thing. I guess we're, we don't have anything in common. Revisit that, you know, be curious, go into that, like, thread of nostalgia, like Daniela was just talking about, like, you know, what memories do you really love about our relationship and um, where you felt that deep connection and devotion and and feeling cherished and Mm -hmm. see, you know, what that sparks as far as a memory in you uh, and just allow allow being in that space together.
0: Um, I want I know you love this quote Jeannie because you've shared it and it's always been one of my favorites. Um, so friends, just listen to this and consider all dimensions of relationship, not just partnership of husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband, okay? Um, in order to make a relationship last, you really want to flow with a person as they change. Give them space. My friend always told me about his grandfather who was with his wife for over 60 years before she passed. His grandfather said that through, through all that time, his wife changed so much, it felt like he had been with eight different people by the end. But he said the secret to making it last was through all those changes, he never, he never stifled her with his idea of who he expected her to be. Rather, he loved fully every new woman she became. When we can hold that lens for our friendships, for our relationship with ourselves, for our relationship with our partners and our children and our parents, I can't tell you how many How many clients or students that I've worked with that when their parents enter into their extremely elder years, how challenging it is for them to not want to be the parent of a of a of an aging parent. Hmm. Forgetting that your parent is going to move back in time (laughs) to the innocent, they're returning into the innocent mind. If you have the great honor of being with your parents through the The whole spectrum of their life. When my mother died, by the end, she was like a toddler and then a baby. And we go through that journey from infant to like infancy again. Mm. And so we want the more we can remember, everyone is constantly changing and evolving. And that can be one of the trickiest things in partnerships because oftentimes if you like it the way it is or was you don't want it to change you want to keep it that way and that's not what this is about that's not what this journey is about you know i think back to abby you know abby i met her when she was 18 she's she's 30 now like it's like twice as old basically it's like double completely different entity completely different that essence of who she is. Is the same, yet she's like this woman. Mm. So you want to remember, friends, that whoever you have the great honor, whoever you're entrusted to travel with, whether it's your children, partners, friendships, get that change runs the show, and that you want to work with it and Keep a finger on the pulse of what your intention is for yourself as you change, evolve, heal, and grow as well. You mm-hmm. we want to honor these changes. We're not in a culture that really honors change. We're in a culture that primarily um, defies change. It's not celebrated.
1: Change is not very celebrated in our culture. Yeah. It, it can poke at our, you know, our very primal part of our brain that speaks to like, be on alert, be vigilant. We don't know what this could look like when, when we're faced with change, it can send off habitual and automatic. um, You know, I don't mean to use the word trigger in like the big trigger T kind of way, um, but it can, it can have that impact on our nervous system and on our brain because we, we long for stability because in it is perceived safety and, uh, and security. So there have been so many, you know, biological and psychological studies on human beings and cultures and human communities um, that allude to something called immunity to change, like our immune system rises up to fight against this change. And and we can think about this in a very practical way. All right, now imagine that someone at your work sends out a mass email and says, I know that we've been doing X, Y, and Z for the past 10 years. We are going to completely change our email system, and, and our online uh, you know, document database. We're moving from Microsoft Word to Google Drive and everyone loses their mind, like loses it. Like this is the most horrific, uh, unfair working conditions that they have ever been exposed to. Not even knowing if, there, if this other system has more you know, user friendliness. It's, it's autopilot. And if we can be aware that we do this, we can, we can notice it. We can name it. We can be like, I don't, I'm not even sure why I'm annoyed by this change right now. Uh, I, I just automatically am. And I don't have to be. I can watch it rise up and watch it move on. Uh, and so in relationships, we can see how we get frustrated or uh, things feel unsafe I, I hear this a lot. I heard this a lot from parents when I was teaching school, high school, because so much change happens between the ages of, you know, 11 and 18. And, oh, but I, I remember when they were young and, and I long for that. I just wish that they were still little. Don't you wish your kids were still little? No, I don't wish that at all. I I love getting to know these adults that are my children that I, I was entrusted with for a period of time. And then I just get to watch them shift and move. I can't even imagine how, how stressful and how much suffering would have occurred for me if I was clinging to them being in tutus and ballet shoes forever, or uh, needing me to cut up their food, <laughs> you know, like I, allowing these shifts and change. It, it It's just so it's such a gift, and it's so beautiful. So, just recognize—like, recognize your own comfort level with change. Um, get really honest about how you feel about change in yourself. Mm. You know, um, sometimes we start to celebrate changes in ourselves that are intentional, like our growth. You know, um, we're not often culturally celebrating our uh, wrinkles. <laughs> or our body changes, or uh, those kind of things. So just just notice, and and without like, oh God, I'm really bad at this. But just bringing awareness into, yep, yep, I am actually pretty uncomfortable with change, and um, and that's step one, because it will play out. It will play out with so many different relationships in your life if you have that clinging, that grasping to what is right now, holding on to it. With, for dear life.
0: <laughs> so it can be, you know, again, anything that clicks for you that we're speaking about is, is a, always can be turned into a practice, you know, start, train yourself such that if you hear something that resonates, it means that, that resonance, that those sensations of resonance are telling you it's up to you now to, to live this in your life. Ahas, epiphanies, insights, like resonance those are all indicators of put this in action Mm. and so I love when you said step one is just to declare I'm noticing this change just put words to it bring it into the light of awareness and and one of the greatest gifts we can give our children as parents is to just speak to change factually Without the interpretation of oh god i've got more of this or more of that or whatever right it's like can you live your own insights and and really um can they be can they be what would it take for them to really be authentic for you to be able to release the interpretation of change and to start to bring a a friendliness to change within yourself first and foremost. Um, so just start declaring it. Declaring it in partnerships too. Really, really. What do you notice about yourself, honey, that's different this week or this month? Um, you know, wh- what have you deepened in? Where what have you, what did you learn this month that really mattered to you that you you could that you could do even more fabulously than you were able to last month? I don't know. Find your way. To make conversation around change authentic for you so that you don't as- continue to deepen in a habit of being shocked by it or s- seeing it as something that's negative. How are you different this month? How are you different this year?
1: So yeah. Yeah. You- it, that that's a it's that's a fun game to play together and even like, you know, what is playing out in your life now that five years ago you wouldn't have in a million years thought that that would be part of your life. You know, it's such a fun question and and just active listening type of game. It, it it's way more interesting than oh how was your day? <laughs> oh how was your day? Mm. Um, you know, getting a little bit deeper and a little bit creative and, and also not, I'm going to reiterate this, Daniela already said it, like not putting your two cents in, just holding whatever it is, whatever they're offering up as a piece of information, just holding it and, you know, witnessing it.
0: Um, and, and that, I think maybe, I'm not sure which classroom that would be, but the value of Insight questions in your communications, right? There's, I mean, how many parents here remember asking your children, "What did you do at school today?" And you know, it was one-word answer for for many students, for many children, nothing. 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 I did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a a quality question can open up such such incredible conversation. Um, so great questions to ask children and partners at the, you know, at the end of their day. I like the questions for students. Um, you know, if you could have, if, if, you, could, if you could enjoy more of this, uh, one of your teachers doing X, Y, or Z, what would it be? If you could delete one of your classmates from the equation for one week, who would it be and why? Just, you know, just create, to, to learn and, and the intention of insightful questions is, I I love how you said that, Jeannie, it's it's not, you have to, you want to suspend giving your opinions and giving your solution ideas because the intention of, of insight questions in relationships is to learn about the way they view themselves, the way they view others, and the way they view the world through their particular lens. Through nine different lenses. <laughs> 27, actually. Um, that's more for next week, right? So you want to understand how others perceive the world, and it's going to be through the filters of the way they perceive themselves, others, and the world. This is how you will deepen in your own acceptance and gentleness with others. Getting that this is an entirely different lens equally as valid as yours. And we're very used to being on autopilot of, I share my opinion, I give mine back. You've got your opinion, I say my opinion back.
1: Conversation tennis.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a very predictable conversation and it gets boring. It's really, it's boring. So um, a- allow these in- insightful questions to start to, to take form and shape in your life. And we'll, we'll put some examples in, in the comments um, of, of deeper ways of engaging in conversation. Um, that doesn't imply someone should be experiencing anything deeper. It doesn't have, it's not about the depth. It's just about actually getting to know how do you perceive? I wanna know how you perceive and what you value. You'll learn about what others really cherish that may be very different from what you value and cherish.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, and that leads right into, you know, something that uh, a little bit of a thread of unlearning that I would love if, humanity did better at. <laughs> uh, I, we talk about this in different courses too, as far as like understanding what someone else's experience in the world is how they experience the world, how they experience your relationship, your friendship. Um, and you know, there are certain Enneagram types that this, you know, might, might be just second nature to and, um, and others not so much. And this is where we get to learn from one another. Uh, we were all probably guessing taught the golden rule, mm. right? If I was like, what's the golden rule? What's the golden rule? And, and you all started like, you know, putting it all in the chat, what the version of the golden rule that you have learned in this lifetime. For me, it was do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. And I can actually even see, and this is one of my favorite Norman Rockwell paintings that have that theme that that's called the golden rule, the golden rule and nothing wrong with the golden rule. And I think that we've gotten some wires crossed there uh, language wise. Because really, we want to treat people the way that they want to be treated, which could be very different. You know, um, but I like I know I am a hugger. I love hugging everyone. I would probably rather hug than talk. Do you want to just hug? Let's hug it out. I, I also recognize that, you know, that isn't um, my my dearest friends uh, top way of communicating so I know that Daniela loves when I listen to her tell me about what whatever's going on so like I want to love her the way that she feels receives love and and she knows this about me too and we'll joke about like hugging with brooms and things um (laughs) but you know treat people the way that they want to be treated. And in order to do that, you have to listen. You have to be an active listener that doesn't have all of the answers. That's there, that my way isn't the right way, always. And for everyone, you know, that, that it is possible to show love without squeezing everyone every time you see them. And that there are there are other ways out there. So making a commitment to do unto others... <laughs> the way that they would want, just that. How do you want to be loved? Treat people the way that they want to be treated and get really clear about how you want to be treated so that you can be clear in your ask. Hey, I just, today's a hug day, need a hug. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need one of those. I, And, and it's, it, it really is remarkable how that changes your listening because I don't go into a situation with anyone and think, oh, this person's sad. You know what they need? A hug. <laughs> I have no idea if that's true. I, I really, really don't. Um, and I can be clear and say, hey, I can't stop crying. So I actually just want to stop talking. And I would love a hug. And that would really be soothing for me. Mm-hmm. So, so also get in the habit of listening, getting quiet, being the witness to other people's per, you know, perceptions and the way that they interact with the world and, and asking how they would like to be treated, how they would like to interact in this relationship.
0: I love that. I love I love the, what do you want to call that? Because is it like, it's not like reverse golden rule, but is it just, <laughs> is it golden rule 2.0?
1: <clears throat> is it like the sparkle golden rule? <laughs> Glitter golden rule? Rose gold, it's rose gold rule rose gold rule
0: yes the rose gold rule okay i love that i love mm-hmm. that it has the word rose in it which is you know so close to rose bud up, you know
1: yes She's good.
0: Good. So anything rose is good mm-hmm. um this uh the rose gold rule really um is one of the ways to fulfill on um two or three of act two of the, one or two of the three uh, human needs in relationships. Um, If you can keep in your awareness that relationships thrive on the experience of connection, the alive experience of fulfillment and of awe and astonishment. Making it a priority to understand how people love feeling cherished and valued is one of the most profound gateways to connection, which then leads to deeper fulfillment. And as we relax more and more into the the amazement of the uniqueness of others, we're we more effortlessly abide in awe and astonishment in our relations. As we relax our rigidity in thinking things should be a certain way or others should be a certain way, awe and astonishment effortlessly fill the space instead. We have to make space for it. So I love that. The rose gold rule is really very much an entrance into, um, connection. We're wired to need connection quite literally. It's our fundamental need is, is connection. Ever been in a relationship where you're like, this is the most alone I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. That's no
1: fun. (laughs) Mm -mm. No, not fun. Yeah. And, and applying the rule everyone experiences connection in different ways and so sometimes i think that there is this like idea that the key to um happiness in relationship or or uh you know peace and calm waters in relationship is to automatically enjoy the same things you know and uh in, in my experience, uh, it's, it's really beautiful when you know that your person is willing to listen to something that lights you up, to, a, to an activity, to an outing, to a, a music, to something that has you experience connection with them and makes that, you know, a priority, particularly when it isn't their flavor of connection. It isn't their first, it isn't their go-to. Um, and, and and to me, it's like, it's like bonus frosting. It's like, wait, wait a second. We're going to do the connecting thing that I love doing. And it's not even like your favorite thing to do. Wow. That is devotion. And, um, and it's really showing up for someone else. And then, and then to get to do that vice versa, you know, um, <clears throat> I don't at all care about sports. Like guys, I love that people are, are like really into sports ball and I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I never know what's going on. I never know what teams are. I, mm. Um, And Matt loves baseball. It's, it's a very nostalgic and fun and light uh, thing for him. You know, um, sure, it would be simple for me to be like, yeah, I'll go to a baseball game. I've gone to baseball games before. Um, but it's like, a, it's like a little bit of a brain teaser to be like, oh, what is a really connecting fun thing that we can do that is like outside the box? Um, I know that his love language is... Uh, Quality time, and and it's a little bit of a brain teaser or a scavenger hunt to figure that out. And I was like, you know what we can do? We can go to the Louisville Slugger Bat Factory <laughs> and watch baseball bats be made, and tour a museum. You know, it, like there's nothing about baseball. Bats, woodworking, like I'll go to factories and museums. Sure that sounds kind of cool. Like a Mr. Rogers episode a little bit, yeah. um, right? Like crayons being made, fascinating.
0: Know like, how everything works. Like, yeah. uh, totally
1: yeah. cool. Um, and in just like stretching my mind a little bit like what is something that would check off some of those boxes for him? The amount of light in your person's eyes, you know, and, and, and I would wager that a lot of you watching there's someone in your life that you can do this for really easily, but it's almost like a no brainer. Maybe it's one of your children. Maybe it's your sister. Like, like you just know what will light them up. And, and for others, it takes a little bit because it's maybe not the same thing as you, or it's not in the same wavelength as you. And um, you know, it, it's, it's just, such a sublime act of devotion and deepens into a moment of, of real connection. Uh, yeah. And, and I do think, Danielle, you speak to this so much better than I do that, like, one kind of begets the other, you know, like once we're experiencing connection um, and, and in, in a moment, and I think that the word fulfillment sometimes um, people get a little bit confused maybe and think like fulfillment means always <laughs> you know like oh, i am fulfilled done never have to do that again never have to fill that cup again um but that connection has brings an experience of fulfillment and you can actually watch awe happen in your person's life in your partner's life in your child's life in their eyes your parents eyes
0: i um I think of fulfillment as maybe aliveness is a better way of putting it. Um, mm-hmm. if, uh, there's What I hear and what you're speaking to is following, trusting the path of excitement and enthusiasm in the people in our lives that we cherish and that are in our lives. We want to train ourselves to hone in on Where is their enthusiasm? And to to learn to continue to deepen in learning about and participating in what lights them up. You can see aliveness, like fulfillment is an aliveness. Fulfillment also connects to intention. I think of fulfillment as, again, if you know your intention, Life is here to show us, oh, we're really veering farther and farther away from our intention, aren't we, matey? And it, it, like life is either, either it's time for a course adjustment or you're going to experience fulfillment. And you can feel what direction your little boat's going in. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, every, y- you all probably have parents or children or partners or friends where, like a genie was saying, follow what they love what lights them up isn't something that you would think of like <laughs> can you be lit up can you can they, can your candle be lit alighted by their flames of delight and enthusiasm you know um if your kiddos like games whether they're in in person, role play games, video games, whatever it is. Making videos, I have a 14 year old and so he's very much in the making videos and editing and doing the things. Um, I have no interest in Minecraft particularly. It's not a game that you'll find me playing when he's not around, it just isn't. I don't ever think about Minecraft when he's not around. (laughs) Are you sure? You can be, yeah, sure. <laughs> I know the value of having the pigs and the wheat and the how you build and how maps work and what does it mean to find a server. Mm. Because I get to participate in his enthusiasm. And how we speak to our, the people in our lives, you can see, it can just take one sentence to either uplift and fan like bellows, fan the flames gently and truthfully of their enthusiasm, or our words can be like a bucket of water on it. So you may want to, it's always of value to bring attention to, are you bellowing or bucket of water? Because you can see the light in someone's eyes go dim, like that. If you say the thing that diminishes their enthusiasm, it is a spark. It is a light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about the pigs and the things. Oh my and gosh. Did you, were your kids into that or no? Did we miss those years?
1: We missed those years. I'll never forget when my daughters were young, like, kindergarten and second grade and in the town that we lived in football was like the most important thing like I swear there was some like like at the level that it happens in Texas like it was like children started playing football at like four and that meant that other children started cheerleading at four and I'll never forget when the girls were like we can't do cheerleading because there's no cheerleading coach and I was like oh my god I'm gonna do this aren't I like in in I just I was like okay you, a you, you I'm gonna it. coach tiny cheerleading humans <laughs> this is somehow something I've signed up to do like and I never did that growing up I, like, I wasn't a cheerleader in school myself. I was like, I can probably figure this out. There's seven. Like, what are we doing? This can't be that hard. I can watch a YouTube video or something. I can buy a book. Um, you know, I had friends who were cheerleaders. I called them. I was like, what are they doing when they're five? So, you know, like even something like that, something I had no interest in at all. And, my children showing up with so much longing to do it, experience it. I'm like, hmm, okay, we're, this is what, this is what we're doing. This is, it's, it can't last that long. I, this is probably where I was like, I can do anything for three months and then it turned into six years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. This is one of my favorite stories about like from many chapters of, of Jeannie O'Neal. Um, so okay. I think you get the point. The The, the point is to allow the, 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 the playfulness of enthusiasm. It's not, you're not going to be married to, I'm not married to pigs and wheat and Minecraft and maps forever. And I, I over my son's life, right? I have two boys. Um, there's just chapters and they all come to a close. And I want him to have the enjoy, I want him I just love seeing the light in his eyes stay lit. I just love it. Yeah. That's it, that's all I care about. I care about seeing the light in Christopher's eyes. And I, you again, you know the moment you say the thing that either fans the flame, again, not as if it's your responsibility to keep the fire uh, alive in someone, just know the impact of, 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 um, how we speak and how we how we honor others' enthusiasm and passions. You know, um, Fortnite. I can tell you all about every skin, everything about the bouncy house, about what happened when the helicopters were let in, about the intermission shows. Right? Like, it's it's here and it will go. And yeah. there's nothing more fabulous than the connection with my kiddo or the connection with my, partner, just hearing what they love, being a part of it and with enthusiasm. And I get to learn what they value. I get to learn how my son perceives peers, what his vulnerabilities are in his relationships, right? If I were to just say to him, like, well, what are your vulnerabilities in relationship?
1: He'd be like, I have no idea what that question even means. Stop asking me weird things.
0: Yeah, that's weird. Is that a (laughs) weird thing? Um, I can say to him questions like, oh, it looks like he wanted to be on your team. Um, If if you had a magic wand, how would you respond to him if you weren't worried about uh, anything? And I can hear, you know, and he's got two different answers. There's the, this is how I'm going to respond right now. Cause he's finding how much he values being included versus his authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's the moment for me to zip it and not say the things that maybe uh, other generations would have said to us. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you could, don't start learning now how to speak, blah, 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 blah. I'm gonna be tuned right out mm-hmm. and just learning, listening. how he makes choices what he's willing to sell out for what because of what he values this is how we discover ourselves and as a parent it's really important to learn when to just stay quiet i think sometimes we speak too soon and advise too quickly because we have a concern we hear one little thing and we like make it mean like we're now you're gonna be at 30 if this goes out of control
1: yeah the fixing can come in the problem solving can come in and i think that this is you know also very applicable to our intimate partnerships and relationships as well you know uh like our our partner is is upset or uncomfortable and wanting to go in and uh and be useful uh, rather than then step back and just listen to what their process is in all of those dynamics and and to actually come out of it knowing so much more information about your person and with them having the experience of like being empowered through the whole process and and you know, space being held for them and and same thing. I mean, everyone's partner is different, right? And like if even if I was to, uh, If I was to say to Matt, "Well, you know, what did you value about that relationship or that conversation with that person?" He would be like, "What are you asking me right now?" Just speak in real words and (laughs) sentences. (laughs) Like, don't talk like that. Uh, And and I don't actually have to say anything. I can just let him allow. And, and let it unfold and, and to, to take me on that journey. And I don't have to interject and in order to mine information more quickly, which a lot of times that's what it is. We're impatient. It's like, oh, get to the point or let me wrap this up or fix this for you or you know potentially prevent a misstep. It's not our place. We don't even know what, how this is going to unfold, so.
0: <laughs> is to look at the quality of your connection the quality of your fulfillment and the quality of your level of awe and astonishment in different relationships, right? I love baselines. I love inventories. It shows me my strengths and it shows me my work. And um, I wanna hit them all out of the park. I do. I wanna hit them all out of the park. I want that. Our soul is here to feel alive, free and fulfilled. And since we have chosen, our souls have chosen the path of relationships, these are some of the keys truly to exceptional relationships. So thank you, everyone.